something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's success? What's important? What has value? What matters? Will 99% of all the art in all the world be forgotten in time? This episode sounds like two friends discussing what they think it's all about. Get involved with the actor, drawer, painter, sculptor, writer, director, and Oscar award winner, Taika Waititi, like never before. From Taika's backstory to his perspective on authority, his creative nature, his family, Hollywood, the writer's strike, and so much more. This episode definitely goes somewhere. I'm your host, James Brown, and you're listening to The Unimaginable. My name's Tyker. I was born in New Zealand in 1975 on August the 16th. My mother's family, they are what we call Pakia, which is white. Russian Jews who escaped the pogroms in the early 1900s and they ended up in um, different countries and eventually, of all places, as far away from, from Russia and from Europe as you could get, ended up in New Zealand. Cut to a generation or two later, my mother was born and she um, ended up meeting my dad who was essentially a, a farmer from a small little farming fishing village um, out in the country in New Zealand. She was a school teacher and um, and they met and hit it off and fell in love. And in 1975, I was born. I had the benefit of having two parents who, like my mother was a school teacher who was into literature and all she cared about was that I read books and that I could write. 
And my father was not only a farmer, but um, he was a Renaissance man who his main thing was carving and sculpting and painting. And so he couldn't have cared less. Both of them, neither of them could have cared less if I wanted to pursue medicine or law. Um, that wasn't their thing at all. And all they wanted was to make sure that I was into art. So I was really lucky in that respect. And then I had some parents who, who loved art and wanted their son to love it too. From a very early age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be involved somehow in art. And then eventually I realized all the different things I was interested in culminated to under this umbrella of storytelling. And so that's really where I, I guess I started to pour my focus on the idea of telling stories. And at school, I was always into just entertaining people and making people laugh. And I loved the attention that came with that. And I also just loved telling stories. And I'd spend a lot of time with my friends or even by myself. I spent a lot of time by myself. I wouldn't say I was a loner. I had a lot of friends. I was super popular, Jimmy, as you can well imagine. But I also very much enjoyed the company of myself because I thought if other people love my company, God damn it, I must be cool. And so I enjoyed my company as well. And I spent many an afternoon hanging out in my bedroom, recording stories on an old tape deck, and doing all the characters and making all the foley sounds and stuff just by myself, all these big adventures based on like Indiana Jones and Star Wars and things like that. And just recorded all these stories, these little radio plays. And then I would like write stories and I'd draw pictures and I'd paint pictures. So I sort of like, my bedroom was like a studio right from a very young age. When Dungeons and Dragons first came out, I didn't realize you needed to have friends to play it. And I was very happy that Christmas just playing Dungeons and Dragons by myself in my bedroom. I loved it. In fact, it wasn't long after that when someone said, no, the, the whole point of the game is to play with other people. And I still don't see the point of that. Then throughout school, you know, I was very much into sport. So I was like a cool, good-looking nerd who was good at everything. Can you imagine? I mean, it's almost impossible to imagine. It's like I just had it all. And then eventually I went to university, became even more popular, even more cool. I mean, it's just, I'd, I'd love to say that there are some downs, but it's, it's mainly been ups, mate. It's mainly been just uh, from one one up to another up, and it's just, and it hasn't stopped. I don't know, you know, a lot of people want to have, hear some tragedy in stories or some conflict, but it's just been uh, just an absolute joy ride of success after success and just happiness and not a single teardrop. Man, that is incredible. Like, what a... What a testament to, 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 to <laughs> you've seen me. I mean, what drew you to me was just that absolute positivity, positivity, and just the air of an absolute winner. Yeah, actually, <laughs> you know, you know, that's that's actually right because I've always kind of seen you as this extremely uh, aware person of everything. You know, it's like you just kind of like pick it all up and you know what to do with it. You kind of are able to suss out people quickly and like you figure out what decisions you want to make work-wise and you're always got so many different things going on that it takes kind of something like that to have all that going on at once and yeah i i i feel like so something happened to me when i was very young in that life i i uh, i won't go too much into it but i made the decision when i was about 11 that you cannot and must not rely on grown-ups to help you 
and that you are basically in the world alone and you're going to die alone and you just have to make it all for yourself. And like, Was it, what, what age were you? About 11. 11, okay, right. And so from then... Man, that's a good, that's a good choice. It's a, what's that? For, that's a great choice for an 11-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, you know, like, I got really like, like, you know, betrayed. And so, yeah. like, um, you know, it's like I, and I was like, and I basically just never forgave people in positions of like responsibility. Whenever I have to deal with anyone who's like a boss or like who's like in charge, you know, I don't, I'm not like, I don't go out of my way to, to fuck them over, but like, you know, I really do challenge them and I don't, I take whatever they say with a pinch of salt and I sort of, here's the thing is like, you know, like, I know I've got a lot of faults and weaknesses and things like that, but you know, and everyone does. It's just I don't. like some of us just choose to, you know, some of us have the decency to hide them, you right? Know? Um, you know, like I'm sure I've got anxiety, but I don't go on about it like everyone else in America. <laughs> so, like, you know, I like, I'm like, bottle that shit up, use it, <laughs> don't talk about it, that makes you weak, yeah. So um, <laughs> I agree. There, everyone's like, "You got to talk about your depression." I'm like, no, that's what makes me powerful. So I don't. Talk, I don't really think that. I do think you got to talk about it. Who was the person that got you to kind of get to that point to make that decision for yourself? You're like, fuck people, like older people. Uh, my parents. Yeah, my parents and people around my parents and like just that generation. I, mean, I grew, you know, I grew up in the '80s. We're like, you know, you know, at like fucking seven years old you know you could buy cigarettes and beer for your parents you know so like you just have you ever heard that poem there's there's a poem it's a great one it goes uh something along the lines of they fuck you up your mom and dad they don't mean to but they do yeah <laughs> yeah so yep. i love that poem i know that poem i know that poem and i can't even heard it but yeah that someone someone gave me that poem and it's brilliant and it's true they don't mean to but, but it's they like they never <laughs> this fucking like trust. And they try not to. And, <laughs> and they try not to. They try not to. But like, and I can see I'm doing it a little bit with my kids as well. Like every now and then, every like sort of time I like, I don't keep a promise or like, you know, or like I, I'm fucking like, I do something that I can just see them go, yeah, yeah. you're very fallible. <laughs> so so <laughs> now so it's like, all people and yeah. kids that you can't trust. <laughs> yeah, it's it. No, basically, that's it. Uh, yeah, and that's it. Trust yourself. <laughs> I do feel like, you know, like I've, there's this sort of an air of confidence that I've tried to like, you know, that I, I, I trust. I trust my own taste and my own opinion and things like that to a point, you know, and I know when I'm wrong. I know when I'm like, yeah, this is disastrous, but what a fun place to be. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to go down and if I'm going to crash, at least, you know, it's, it's I'm, I'm trying to do something that I find. I think it's going to be interesting and I just feel like it's, you're just better off to trust your own instincts because you can't, if, if you trust yourself and you fail, you can't blame anyone else. And that's the best way. I think, I think to add to that point, like I think if you really do trust yourself, you actually become a unique artist or creator because you've trusted yourself, you know, and it's like, well, people mistake that for arrogance and it's just like, Listen, why would I trust someone else who isn't me and has not got my life experiences and doesn't see the world through my eyes? And they're not. You have to trust yourself. And they're not liable. And they're not liable. And exactly. And especially with the film industry, you know, they don't, they don't have the weight of a studio's budget on their shoulders. Right. You do. So it's up to you. It's your responsibility to basically to put yourself on the line 
in such a way where it's like, if you fail, at least you know you failed right. rather than you can't be at the premiere and go, oh, I know the film sucked, but because he told me not to do this. <laughs> right. You right. know, it's like you can't point fingers. It's like, that's what I think is great. It's like, if you just stick to your, to your vision of what you're trying to do, then it's just more pure. The failure is more pure and the success is more pure. Well, I think I learned that first time with you when I sent you audition, uh, my audition to be in your Parrot TV show. And uh, <laughs> everyone was yeah. like, yeah, good try. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm not taking any advice from anyone. I'm just going to go. I didn't, I, I, you know what? I'll just say this right now. Funny, right? I, I was not calling the shots on that casting. <laughs> I'm calling you out right now. Yeah, <laughs> Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. But, you know, like, we're not going to talk about any kind of promotion for anything that I've got coming up. Well, we'll talk about these strikes. And, and that I know a lot of people want these strikes to be over, and I do as well, because like, I would like to do something, you know, some work. But I've been, and I know I'm not, it's not a nice thing to say because people are unemployed and I'm unemployed. But man, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying just taking a break and like just spending time with my family. And yeah, you know, it's like a nicer version of COVID. Yeah. Where it's like you can actually hang out with people and not die. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, this, this version, you're like, oh, I can just hang out with people and not work. And it's great. You know what? I keep thinking about the strike. I think I think what the strikers should do. I think they should have done this months ago. Like if I was a striker, but I, you know I'm a bit of a ruffian, maybe like yourself. But I would have went to the house and just kind of carved this thing on his bonnet of his car. You know, it was probably his Tesla, and said, "Fucking pay me more, bitch." You know, and like you know, then the news can put that on the thing, and it's like everyone's like, okay. "We well, just take the car." Take, yeah, take the car, burn just, it. You know, <laughs> like just take the car and leave the bonnet. <laughs> But it's like I feel like somebody needs to bash some heads together or do something here for this to kind of get to the end. Yeah, you know? yeah. But um, it's also going to be more interesting, you know, when they're talking about like crossing the picket line. It's like that's like nothing like the old days, you know, the good old days that they where they made. No one's going to make a movie about you know these strikes, right? Because they, you know, well, there's not there's not much drama. Know, we we hope we hope they're effective, but they're like, they're pretty they're. They're pretty vanilla. They're pretty tame. Yeah. You know, there's no fighting. There's no one like actually getting in like, you know, a fist fight and like there's no blood being spilt over this stuff. What kind of a strike is it? That's real union shit, man. That's what shit I want to see. (laughs) Me too. Maybe we should go and and start busting some heads. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whenever someone actually drives into the lock, we just. I got a new truck. We can just burst straight through the gates and be like, hey, pay us. And I'm not even a writer, but I'll do it. Uh, But yeah, no, I think I do think that that whole thing is is it's dragging on, man. It's been going on for a while. I know, See, but there's different levels, you know, of like you know, of the people who, you know, there are the writers who actually really do need to be paid. Mm-hmm. I'm in the kind of I'm in that cushy little section of writers who, who who can work and like, you know, do get paid. Yeah, and it's not about us, you know. And so like, you know, there's a lot of like, yeah, there's a section of writers who are like, well, oh, what's the big deal? Yeah, you know, who don't understand. There are people who are starving and who need money, and it's like, yeah, they've chosen this job because they love it. And staff writers, all these people, they don't get paid enough. Like it's like, you know, they've got terrible terms, and it's just it just needs to be fair. And you know, but like, you know, instead of like, like I'm, not, I'm I wouldn't be the picketing guy, like pay me more because it's you know I'd be hypocritical and be more like, can you just give me bigger deadlines. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Just, I want final cut always. Stop hassling me. Stop hassling me for, the, for these drafts. That's my demand. It's like, I don't want to write. <laughs> I don't want to write. Stop making me write. That's my ticket. That's my, my, my uh, placard. 
So I guess well, while the strike's going on, you know, you've been like, you know, branching out a little bit. Um, I saw this new thing called Taika in Erwan, the drink, coffee drink, right? Um, hey, listen, I'm allowed to promote my my. I don't think I don't think it's on the side list. You know, I think coffee and goodness and wellness and food and beverage is. Well, listen, man, every other massive celebrity who is a multi, multi, multi millionaire is promoting their vodkas and tequilas. So I'm sure it's okay for me to promote my tiny little cans of coffee. Yeah, I love it. This bloody good coffee, though, guys. Guys. I want to, oh, I want to, I, I need to try it. Lion's Mane, you know, like cordyceps, but not the bad ones from Last of Us, like good cordyceps. Nice. Have you seen that? Have you seen that new app new that came out where you can scan the barcode of any product and it gives you like the whole breakdown of if it's good for you or not? Oh, I didn't, I haven't seen that, but that's exactly what we need. That's yeah, cool. Instead of trying to decipher that crap on the back and those tiny little panels. And also, you know, like, the, isn't that the thing with the, who is it that decides what you can put on ingredients? For the public and not is it FDC like the FDA, FTA, FDA, FDA yeah. and so like, but isn't that true? Right, you're not allowed to. You don't have to say what's really in the product in terms of like how much sugar or how much of this or like the actual levels of or like what's in vaccines. Sorry, should I should should say that? Oh, but, oh no. don't you no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going down like that. Um, yeah, but like you know, I think I think. What's it like, you know, I mean, you have a new family now. I mean, you have your old family and you have a new wife. You, I've seen you guys just traveling around, filming stuff, doing new stuff. It feels like you're doing new stuff, like, outside of what you've normally done. Um, is that? Well, I'm actually going back to my old stuff. Okay. So I didn't start making film until I was about 30. Before that, all I did was theater, paint pictures, and draw, and do music, and, like, make stuff in workshops, mm -hmm. and, like, I was a bit more, and, like, you know, I was like, so clothes and stuff, and I was, like, a little bit more kind of just arts and craftsy kind of guy, and I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't into writing at all, and I'm still not that into writing, but I feel like, um, you know, look, I'm not going to retire from film, but I'm definitely putting a lot of it um, into the secondary priority part of my life because now i just want to go back to you know just to having my studio and just working and just making stuff and hanging out with my other arty friends and just making fun things and being a little bit more more crafty yeah that makes so much sense film film and in terms of like you know look it's a very um collaborative medium where you've yeah you know, you've always got people around but it, but as a result ironically that's what makes film one of the lonelier jobs i feel way lonelier when i'm making film or like working working in hollywood or why is it because there's too many people because i don't like most of the people i work with and that makes me lonely because i'm like i'm not even working with my friends and i don't like you know like hollywood itself is is very well, fake. Yeah, and you yeah, come from Ireland. Uh, i come from new zealand and our bullshit meter is very sensitive but when people talk to us it's like i can just Feel my body tense up when I hear like you know agents and people like that. Dude, agents you know, have the worst. Studio people job. talking to you, and you're like, "I'm 47. Why are you talking to me like I'm some ignorant 12 year old?" Right. Who, you know that you can like trick. I like I can see right through you, <laughs> but they still do it. Like you know, Jojo Rabbit is just... so amazing, bro. You know, oh, I like I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I changed yeah, yeah. my life. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Huge fan. I'm a big fan. I just wanted to reach out. I'm such a big fan. Okay. Well, how much of my stuff have you seen if you're such a big fan? 
the last movie you made. Yeah. <laughs> they can't even name it because <laughs> you, you, you made so many. <laughs> exactly. Oh, hunt for the um, wildings, wilding people. <laughs> so good. I got the impression from the last time we hung out. I, I think you uh, maybe that day had done some kind of interview about diversity, and I watched that after, and I was like, and then from that night we were hanging out. I was like, I feel like you've kind of hit a new. Place, which may- a new level of cynicism yeah Absolutely. or something like that you know yeah. <laughs> it's called it's called it's called getting older honestly i'm like i used to be so positive and now i'm like my biggest fear is coming true and that i'm just becoming my father becoming the person i've been running away from my entire life and i'm becoming this grumpy guy who just doesn't give a fuck about anyone except himself and his family and has got no time for bullshit and doesn't want to meet anyone new, doesn't want to hang out with people, doesn't want to socialize. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> like, I've been doing the same thing. I want to stay at home. Dude, I swear to God, Danny literally told me the same thing. To talk to she me. was like, so the other day, we were driving home from the Hamptons. She goes, she goes, you realize your tolerance level for anyone has dipped so <laughs> increasingly over the last couple of weeks. I was like, yeah, well, nobody has anything to say. And like, they're all yeah. just completely no. just saying whatever persona they've made up about themselves. And I'm just like, I can't even entertain it anymore. I just don't care. It's like a pantomime, you know? Yeah, it is totally. And it's just like, I feel like it's, it's like a Truman show. Yeah, totally. It's just, it's just a series of bad sketches, bad skits, one after the other. And you know, just like how your day unfolds in front of you. And it's just whether or not you want to actually watch this sketch or turn your back on it and now usually i'm just turning my back on yeah it's just like you just cancel that subscription you know <laughs> fuck mate we're like the two old guys from the muppets we just hate everything yeah we're just like we're just like smoking cigarettes in the back just talking shit the whole night. Yeah, <laughs> like just judging things judging movies and stuff that we haven't even seen <laughs> not not true but um i definitely have done a lot of um time with you where like we've just talked about a bunch of stuff and like I think one of the things, like even with doing some research about your movies, because I haven't seen them all, but I've seen a few of them, um, but I've just gotten to know you as a friend and like you as a person. And I hate that whole thing in Hollywood where you get to know somebody and then you become a fan. I, I really like protecting the relationship <laughs> or the friendship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for real, honestly, because if I don't like one of the movies, then what am I going to do? You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. But I'm sure I would. Hey, can you read, hey, can you read my script? <laughs> oh, well, fuck. I'm going to shake this guy. But I'm interested. Like, the reason I'm asking this is because I had like a three month bender on Nothing Matters. I talked to every single person I could find. Anyone at like the grocery store, whatever. I was bringing up that conversation. And I was hell-bent on figuring it out. And then I was like, no, this is actually kind of a sad perspective because nothing matters, right? So then I was like, well, I'm just sad. Okay, so now I need to not get sad. So I started picking this concept apart my own life. And I was like categorizing things like friends, family, uh, you know, this opportunity or whatever. And I was like, which one of these actually is important? And then I always got hit back with the whole thought of, well, you know, we're in this massive universe and uh, we're like the size of, you know, a millionth of a grain of salt or whatever it may be. But it's something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes you feel extremely small and insignificant. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't actually feel that way. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way because we have love, right? And I think love kind of breaks through yeah. a lot of that. And I think we have emotional intelligence, which I also think is under that umbrella. But I was curious to hear where you're at because like, I know that, you know, things are changing for everyone. And I don't know if that, resonates at all but just curious to get your take on it yeah yeah i mean i've uh 
I have to keep myself in check a little bit around this. Like, it's fun to be grumpy and cynical, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's just like you can. It's just another character. But I'm not really like that, you know. Like, I'm very – I love the world and I love, you know, I love a garden. I love, like, going out in the garden that we've got in the back of the house here in London and just sitting in the garden. Now and then the fox will like, come out and, like, just sort of creep mm-hmm. around, the, you know, the, the trees and stuff, which is amazing. And I'm like, oh, man, it's a fucking fox. And like you know, I just start kind of you know sitting back and awe at the wonder of the universe and the world and creation. And you know, I'm deeply, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real atheist, you know. And mm-hmm. like, but now I'm like, fuck, maybe there is a god, you know. And all these things that happen to you, there's big changes that happen to you. And like you know, I can also put it down to that whole like you know the eight year cycle that we all go through or whatever it is, and the um or a seven year cycle. And, you know, that's like I'm entering this new phase now where I am starting to sort of see things a, a lot differently. And I still think that nothing matters, but I do think that it's like there's a balance thing there. And it's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. But that doesn't mean that you don't matter. Yeah. You know, like I've always been, I've always believed that it's like. I was thinking about it last yeah, night. It, it, like where, you know, when you actually just break down what matter is, right? I guess it's like. Yeah, molecules yeah, yeah. or something right but if it, it, yeah. there's so there's a there's a substance so there's some kind of thing that can be measured and so when you think about nothing matters i was like let me get down to the basics of this right and i was like well if you feel something then there's matter right you know if you love somebody there's matter if there's like a reason to protect something there's matter right there, there's something there that's tangible that you can talk about and feel or maybe even see somehow through some crazy camera that somebody's developed maybe but um but I do think I've kind of like gotten to that new place. And I think it's, I, I relate to what you're saying because I think it comes with, you know, not that I've had the same level of success as making movies and all that, but just kind of going through life's phases and, and being aware of how things change and how people change and how like basically life is wild. And if you can't go with it and accept the fact that it's not going to be predictable, it's really difficult to kind of get out of, outside of that nothing matters mentality, which I've been really working on because. Well, you've got to, yeah, but I love that idea that, you know, like there are things that matter and those are things that usually the things that matter are tangible, things that you can hold and right. things that you can touch, you know, you know, a lot of things like ideas and success, those are notions and, you know, they don't matter in the sense that, it's just thought and it's ego and there isn't real matter. It's just things that you can pass mm-hmm. through. So when you think of like, okay, things that don't matter, you know, it's almost like you've got to choose what does matter and what doesn't matter. What doesn't matter is someone hurting your feelings. What doesn't matter is like the future or the past because it's not real. It's not tangible and you can pass through anything that isn't real matter. Mm-hmm. You can just walk through it, you know, and you let it pass through you. But the things that really, yeah, you know, for me that really matter is this garden and that fox and my kids and my wife. That's cool. I love that. And food. And food. Yeah, you need that you know? too. You know? <laughs> and like, these are all right. things I can touch and hold and like, you know, and and feel. Yeah, that's great. Everything else, every other thing is just a concept and it's an idea that is just not real. Yeah. Until you, even the idea of like, like even coming up with a story, thinking a story, it's still not real. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a fucking story. Who gives a shit? So, like, you know, I, it's just being like, what's your priorities? And listen, when, when none of us are going to be remembered in 50 years. So that doesn't matter. 
it's like have a good time stop chasing this idea of immortality through like success and i want to be remembered for my art and stuff who gives a shit no one remembers 99.9999999 percent of artists who ever existed there's only about 30 that you know are in books and the rest have been forgotten in time and they don't matter and that's cool that's fine they just did their thing that made them happy and passionate and they were into their art and then they were forgotten and that should be the way it is but you it's, you know you and i you, don't care if i'm forgotten you remind me of these or like old irish storytellers like the shanake do you know, you know about them like no. these these are these kind of like traveling dudes that would just like turn up in our neighborhood and they'd be like you know kind of like flying their freak flag a little bit but you know it was just so accepted it was never questioned it was just a thing that happened and so all the kids would ca- gather around the shanake and he would tell a story or she would tell a story and the story would be whatever it may be like it just it could be anything right but it was it was seen as a rare occasion for us to be blessed by a story from a shanake and i always i always thought about that i was like this is kind of like who taika is because i feel like you can turn up and tell a story and do it very risky and dramatic and like re- make it like very edgy if you know what i mean because i feel like that's your thing like it's always like taking a big risk with whatever you're doing um well maybe not i have only seen a couple but you know that's what i the vibe i get but um but I, it reminded me of that because it was like this guy turns up tells a story disappears comes back tells a different story maybe he has five more different stories working on but i love that kind of analogy for you because it's like i love that it's too. like a parrot I'm you know it's the shanake <laughs> right yeah, yeah. yeah and it's like but also that's the way i feel more and more now so i don't want to be going and hanging out i don't want an office in a studio i don't want to get that like I don't want that sort of studio deal where I have to turn up. Yeah. I was way happier just going back to New Zealand and going, sitting on the beach and thinking about a story, not all day, just now and then. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. Right. And then writing it whenever I wanted and without a deadline. And then just turning up back to Hollywood going like, oh, hey guys, I made this. But I think, I think when you sit, when you sit down to, when you sit down to like make art and you have like a schedule and a team and all that, it just already immediately takes away like 25% of the inspiration because you're like, you have to do it. You know, if you just like really just be in the moment and just go for it whenever you feel like it, I definitely feel like even if it's five minutes, it could be worth five hours of work because you were just free Mm. to to do that. I do think there's something you said for just having that freedom and going back to your roots, as you were saying, and like, you know, you've done the whole Hollywood bit, you know, like that you really have, like what else is there to do? So it's like and the next chapter where you're at with the fox and totally, and I'm and I'm like, you know what? If I only did film for the rest of my life, I'd be quite disappointed in myself. Yeah. So you've just got to remember, it's like film was a chapter that started when I was thirty that I did not think would I would want to last longer than eight years, and I've been doing it now twenty. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man! I've like I've already let myself down in that respect like, i'm trying to stay them too long i'm like i should have moved on fucking ages ago what, what, what? and so already i'm like i want to do something else now i want to go on like you know it's like what am i interested in yeah yeah i want to make some furniture i want to be a gardener and like just do some landscape gardening that would be fucking epic you know i i used to cut trees down for a living and it was fucking amazing because you climb all the way up in the spikes and then you'd be at the top and when you're at the top of a tree you can hear everything better because noise travels up or something but literally you can hear people whispering wow. about you and it's like it's the fact it's the fact <laughs> of being in the tree and this guy even they're like they're like he's not 
really he's not saw he's not strong enough and i'm like well, fucking i can fuck with you guys like send me the fucking saw but you know but it's just like but being in nature and being part of it and like just not being caught up with people and being in that tree for two hours like i get it and i'm kind of at that point myself to a certain degree or i'm just like kind of taking stock you know of what what's what's real and what's important what's what's really kind of got value you know for me Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Unimaginable. 
like you've been a creative person, right, your whole life and making stuff. Like, why did it take you uh, till 30-ish to um, start thinking about making film? I just was never interested in it. It was never a thing that, that I ever crossed my mind. I was only interested in just doing art and making, doing pictures and sculpting and making music and acting and not doing, doing comedy with my friends and doing theatre and make, putting on plays. And I was really happy just doing that stuff. But also I was so poor. And I was like, eventually when a film came along, I was like, this, it seems fun. Right. It seems like it's quite fun as well to not have to like, have to put makeup on or costumes and I could just be in charge and be very creative and do all the things I always normally do, but just now it's on a film set. And then just got more and more into it and just started getting so comfortable in that world and yeah. feeling like, oh, I can express myself really well and really easily doing this. Mm-hmm. So that was my thing, yeah. And then I was like, okay, great. Well, I guess I've found my calling. Yeah, this thing will work and now for, I'm like, for a while. Now, now I want a new calling. Cool. Well, I have a children's book I want to pitch to you. So it's called, it's called, <laughs> uh, I, I just want your feedback. You can, it's called My Imaginary, in My Imaginary Me, right? It's for like two yeah. to three-year-olds. But the ma- imaginary me is this instinct or your gut, right, that talks to you. But the kid reads it and understands that they have a superhero inside of them and that superhero is their gut or their instinct. And so every page is a scenario where the kid, you know, has to go through something like they're at school and the mom took five minutes extra to pick them up so they're worried about it, but they talk to their their imaginary superhero and he says, you know, your mom's going to be here, relax, you know, or whatever. So it's like, but I I think I'm I'm kind of like into that because I'm like, because I had a kid and I'm like, you know, artistically, or just thinking about like creating something. Like, I want to do something to, to to get these kids on a better track than I started on. Totally, you know? uh, totally. And I think that, and there are those books that, as soon as my kids were born, I brought the books that I grew up with, so that they could have them around. They weren't interested in them, but like, <laughs> but, just, but there are those things which change. You know, I don't know what what it is for my kids. Like, what books are the ones where like you read them, you know, a hundred times while you're growing up and they just speak to you, you know, like there was one that called Leo the Late Bloomer, mm-hmm. which was a book and it was about a tiger who was just useless, fucking waste of space, <laughs> this little tiger. And, you know, and his parents were like, oh, he's terrible at everything. And, you know, I think someone says, oh, he's just a late bloomer. And, um, and eventually just one, one day it just clicked and he became better than everyone else at everything. I wouldn't say I relate too much to that being a late bloomer because I was pretty gif- gifted right from the early age, Jimmy. But, um, you know, the, um, the, uh, the idea of that book of like, oh, you know, you, you, things will happen for you when it's ready, you know, yeah. in your time, in your own time, and don't rush it. And that's actually something like I'm like, yeah, that's fucking so true mm-hmm. for everybody. But not rushing it is key. Yeah. I, well, now I'm just like saying yes to everything because I feel like – that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. But just well, I'll, but, it's, but also <laughs> oh, you yeah, can okay. do that. Like you're somebody who can pull it off, you know, because you just have you have like I think you have like honesty. I just also like I think it's like a um, self preservation thing. It's like if I only do one project and it fails, then I've got nothing else. So I wasn't have lots of backups and like lots of things on the go, and that's like a really dangerous excuse to have because then you're like, oh, if it fails, then you can always say. Oh, but I had too many things to do. So that's my, it's like <laughs> double-edged sword. But you have like such a, you've got like an untapped kind of creative well, I think, like where you can just 
dive into a conversation and go for it with a character or story or whatever and dive into another totally different one completely crush it because i think your brain just works that way you know i think it definitely loves to just have a lot of things on the go that it can draw upon and then, and then you get this interesting crossover between the projects as well where some projects are like you know that character is definitely the character from that other project i was writing at the same time now that character's in three of the projects and you get this sort of like weird crossover between shows and films. <laughs> when you're like, wait, on sorry, too I, many I, things I, at once. I filled up two lines in from this TV show into this one, but it'll be fine. No one knows. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's it. That's exactly what happens. That's cool. I, I am interested to understand what's success to you now that you're so successful. So my my idea of success changed quite a lot. Yeah, you know, at first it was like, oh you've managed to focus on one thing and finish it. And like that was like, great, that's success. Then it was like, oh, success is like people liking you, your thing. And then you're getting, you know, this sort of, it's good for their ego. Then success, you know, which is like, this seems like these are these stages of life. Mm -hmm. Then the success is monetary. And you're like financial success. And you're like, oh, I'm validated because people pay me a lot of money. Right. And that must make me good at what I do, which is bullshit. And then, um, and that's just your quote that, that some someone makes up. And so then it comes back around and then you're like, fuck that, that's all bullshit and that's not real. Success should just be finishing a thing and liking it. And who cares what other people think? That's why I think like filmmakers and artists when they get older, they start making just weird things like they would have done when they were like 20. And people are like, oh my God, why is this giant filmmaker going back to making tiny weird little films with no one famous in them that like no one's going to watch it's because they just they know they can do the big things and they just want to go back to like what why they started yeah. in the first place it makes and a lot of sense i start feeling like that you know you've got to kind of tap back into that because otherwise you it's it's just very easy to lose yourself yeah oh my in, god uh, yeah and in, in, in anything you know in this and especially in this industry yeah because you there's so many voices telling you you're great, and then you realize, oh, I don't know any of these people, and I only trusted my friends for a reason because you know I could believe them, and my friends would say that was shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. But now you shy away from that. You only want to hear the positive. Yeah, well, yeah, totally. I mean, if that's Hollywood through and through, unless you do have friends, which is great. Um, I watch Rick Rubin's Instagram a lot because he always has these great quotes. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's basically, it's, the message is kind of under the same umbrella, which is, you know, don't compare yourself. Don't collaborate unless you want to collaborate. Don't do anything that you don't know how to do and just do the best thing that you know and love it. And like, if you're really excited about it and love it, then that is it. And the only reason that you've gotten to where you're at is because you've done that. And if you haven't been doing that, wherever you're at will be a representation of that, which is probably like not a great place to be. But I feel like everything you've done and even what you're saying right now, is just like, you know, I've, I've always done what I want to do. I've always enjoyed doing it. And I love working on lots of different projects. You know, it's nearly even come back to your first movie where you got Oscar nominated for it, right? And But it was like the first thing you did. Yeah, my short film, yeah. Yeah, like in your career, you'll, you'll, you're, you've stayed very true to who you are, even though you've done big budget movies. But no matter if it's big budget or not, I still think it's, it's like, it's just so obviously your energy and your ability and like your vision. Take all that on and dream big and see all the characters and believe in it all and, and like the, the amount of projects you do. And I think, it, I think it's really admirable and cool. 
So I don't think I've ever. No, oh, amazing. That, unless it was like 4 a.m. Thanks, brother. Those <laughs> <laughs> uh, 4 a.m. talks, you know, like, morning, like, what were we talking about? I know I felt good. <laughs> yeah, like I was, I was right, I was writing out um, like some ideas of like what we could talk about, and one of them, one of the things I wrote was. You know, I don't always remember all of the chats, but I always come away from them thinking that we talked about something good. And I, I was like, I always feel was, energized. Like, I always come away feeling super energized. Yeah, like if something, something happened, something. you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh man, we're going to make this thing happen. And then, like, the next day, I'm like, what was that? I think we were getting into politics. I think we started a political party last night. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 